Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spesh. Hello. So, to start the show off... Yes. We're going to make everybody use their smarticle particles this Uh-oh. week, because Derek has found something out. Oh, yes. Science-related. Yes. This is going to get you... Sit down if you're... Got a beer, you might want to drink brace one. Brace yourselves. You might want to brace yourselves here, because you're going to have to... He's going to talk sciencey. <laughs> well, I'm not going to get too terribly sciencey because I don't have the brains for it. Oh, but... my head. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> but what I found out, what found it interesting is, uh, so there was a, uh, a doctor at the University of Maryland, Dr. Pal, Dr. Utpal Pal. Anyways, uh, so this doctor in the past, he has, through his research, he's been doing this for over a decade of research on Lyme disease and whatnot. So he discovered the initial protein markers that help us identify and diagnose uh, tick-borne Lyme disease and whatever bacteria is, right? Right. So he he's, he's the guy that helped us better identify when people do have Lyme disease. Anyway, so uh, just this week... They announced another breakthrough. So this Dr. Pal, he has, he's now discovered, identified a new protein that is produced by bacteria. And this is the protein that disables the the autoimmune system or the immune system of the human body to, to fight off Lyme disease, the bacteria. So this, it sounds like this is like on the cusp of a breakthrough. Like, Mm -hmm. so he's now identified the protein and the protein markers that is disabling the body's immune system for fighting off that bacteria, and then, which is why people, that's why Lyme disease persists for so long. And that's why, and, you know, often it's misdiagnosed, you know, some people, they think it's Alzheimer's and whatnot. And, and so now they're, they're getting better at identifying it. And with this, this identification of the protein, it's, it's like, it sounds like it's a, it's a near breakthrough for a cure for immunization for uh, tick-borne Lyme disease or tick-borne bacterial, like, you know, uh, Rocky Mountain spotted fever and stuff like that. So this is, I thought this was pretty exciting. This is a pretty amazing that we could be on the cusp of finding an immunization or a cure for uh, Lyme disease. So what happens is, is you you were explaining it earlier there, your, your antibodies jump out and attack the yes. bacteria but then they after the initial wave of of antibodies they sort of the body sort of sits back it sits back yeah so they what what it is is the body in the in the first 12 to 48 hours when the body recognizes that there's something in 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 you that uh, like whatever bacteria it it wants to the immune system wants to fight it so it jumps out it begins to fight it but then the this protein marker is released by the bacteria and it throws off the uh, your immune system so that it uh, when when the immune system loses the initial battle it kind of goes on to the back burner and it builds up for a second huge wave seven to ten days later. And this second huge wave of immune system reaches out to battle again, but now it doesn't recognize this bacteria that it wants to be fighting. It knows something is there, but now this this bacteria is uh, it, it's it's stealthy. It, it, this protein marker hides it. So now what you end up doing and what Lyme disease ends up propagating your body as is uh, this second immune response. You end up getting with swollen joints and swollen and, and muscles or all all these things are happening to your body. Your body is actually ends up fighting itself because the immune system is sends out this second wave seven to ten days later and it it 
again, it's it's uh, it may have killed the initial bacteria, but then it it's hidden in the background. But you your body f- sort of fights itself. Mm-hmm. And so what you what Lyme disease what, what all the symptoms of Lyme disease is your body f- damaging itself, itself trying yeah. to fight the bacteria. And what they're saying is that the bacteria may have the initial fight and the and that second response by your immune system it will kill the that bacteria but there's it's enough of it is hidden from your immune system that six months later it'll just come back right and now your body doesn't know how to fight it anymore because it now doesn't recognize it as a bad bacteria and this research will this research now now that they know the the that the, uh, dr Powell has identified the protein that is released or created by the the bad bacteria it uh, they're going to be able to recognize and turn off that protein or get rid of that protein so that your immune system can properly fight the bacteria and it won't be a losing battle because your your immune system it's going into this blind it doesn't know what it's fighting mm-hmm. because because of this protein but if they can get rid of or turn off this protein then they can let your immune system take care of the bacteria and hopefully Lyme disease will last couple of weeks as opposed to months years months whatever years, yeah, yeah exactly that's awesome i know this is pretty cool thanks so, dr Derek. <laughs> <laughs> and that's dr that's that's health corner by dr Derek. corner by dr Derek. <laughs> yeah that, that's pretty cool yeah so the other thing leaving the health corner and going to the art corner oh, dr yes. Derek. yeah we professor both... Derek. <laughs> <laughs> we both saw this one this is this is pretty cool this is uh now I, I, I'm sure a lot of people might have heard about this. I always I always listen to all the Tom Thompson stuff, right? Because you know Tom Thompson, Algonquin Park, Algonquin Park is one of my favorite places to go. And and uh, anyways, uh, this uh, this woman who she was telling the story that uh, for years her dad would point at the wall in the house and there's my Tom Thompson and the kids and the mom. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever, right? <laughs> anyways, her dad died. She got his his artworks from the house and because it was such a it was such an important piece of artwork for her dad that she kept it but she mm-hmm. just stacked it in a corner in the basement yeah it yeah. was sentimental so a friend of hers said hey what's that you know oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my dad's tom thompson ha 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 right so the friend was saying that uh oh no it's that's maybe it's really she got it checked out yeah yeah whatever so she ended up giving her friend the tom thompson as a gag gift it's like here you go yeah merry christmas happy birthday whatever so the friend then said oh, well, whatever so nothing took to it lose in, yeah took it into a gallery and says hey can you identify this and pretty much almost immediately they said oh we, we think you have something here leave it with us for a, a, a while and so they identified there's with uh, tom thompson in the group of seven there's a certain color of white that has only ever been used by the group of seven right and that is on this painting so they said that's one key marker for Tom Thompson. It has this white paint that nobody else has ever used on the planet, right? And uh, so they're like, this is real. <laughs> and what it is, it's... So we were talking about this earlier. Tom Thompson going to Algonquin Park, he'd paint this small painting. Yeah. And this is this small painting is what he would take back with him to Toronto to make his big gallery-sized paintings. Yeah, because he had, he had a studio in the winters, apparently, he would come back. And- yeah do yeah. his commissioned arts and make his big so big this paintings. particular painting that this woman had was the smaller version of the uh of the painting that sits in the national art gallery of canada oh yeah yeah so it's it's like his smaller version that he 
took and and what he did is he oh what's the name there's uh he gave it to one of his uh, group of seven sons and that son gave it to a pastor in the 30s the pastor handed it off to gave it to one of the visiting pastors or students in this toronto church and that guy was this woman's father Oh, so they have a direct line back to Tom Thompson. They, which is apparently very rare to have a direct line. Know for these, exactly where when, it came when you from. find when somebody finds a Tom Thompson, it's very rare that you can actually track it right back to Tom Thompson. Right, and this one has a direct lineage back to Tom Thompson, so it's pretty neat. Yes, pretty so pretty cool. So I, he gave it back to her. He did after finding did. out. Yeah, and she's gonna take him on a. Uh, well, it, it was him and his wife. So it was her friend who got the painting, and and he's the one that took it into the art gallery. And and uh, but yeah, so she's taking them on a Mediterranean, Mediterranean cruise, cruise to pay yeah. the back for. Yeah, because it's not <laughs> it's not worth millions of dollars. No, it's, it's like, they estimate one hundred seventy five thousand at auction. Yeah, because it's not the full size gallery. No, no, it's just work. one of his little sample. Yeah things to make the big one but still right? one hundred seventy-five thousand. dollars better than the kick it's, in the butt yeah Unless you it's, like it's almost at the price level that we might just go out and buy it we, we mean you pull yeah. our money together yeah and we'll keep it for a few years <laughs> <laughs> pull our money together we might have 20 bucks yeah yeah 175 dollars uh, would be too much for me <laughs> yeah yeah well that's what you said yes yeah, it's, it's estimated about about 175 oh i'll give him 200 bucks for it <laughs> yeah and but is that it from the art corner? Yeah, that's the art corner. Okay, that's, that's, that's it for Derek's science art gallery. Corner is Derek's art, art gallery. Anything else? <laughs> Not today. Uh, welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio, where Derek shows all his hidden talents and interests. <laughs> but those are the things I discovered this week. Those are the things you discovered. <laughs> you know what I discovered? Uh-oh, what? My son does not empty his pockets when... He throws his laundry in. He was down at Miami at some giant music festival. Yeah. And guess who left American money in his pocket? Ooh. Guess who did the laundry? How much money? Two bucks American, which oh. is about $30, $40 Canadian. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been a pretty good week. Now, this is a big weekend for us. It is. I'm it is. excited. It's the Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium. Yep. New location this year. Mm-hmm. University of Waterloo Theatre of the Arts. I'm excited. I'm nervous. I always get nervous when I have to stand up in front of people. Especially strange people. Yes. Being strange yourself. My mom always told me not to talk to strangers. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> I just go talk. I used to have a buddy, and doesn't matter where you go, people would start talking to him, and he didn't know why. We were in the subway at Toronto I think it was Bluer, was it Young and Bluer Station? Because we yeah. were we were coming across from Scarborough, and then we we're heading down to uh, Union, and we're sitting there, and some guy starts talking to him, and I'm just like, see, people just start talking to him. And then dude turns around, fishes a sandwich or something out of the garbage, starts eating it, and walks away. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy, those are your people. <laughs> 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 don't come much stranger than that. That's exactly why you don't talk to strangers. So, <laughs> yesterday there was 20 tickets left. So anybody that is listening and is thinking of going to the Backcountry Canoe Symposium, you've got like today and tomorrow and hopefully there's yeah. tickets left. because They're, they're uh, going rate, at a rate of about 10 a day. Yeah. So there won't be any left at the door. Yeah. And this will be a sellout again. Yeah. 
Uh, I know there was a bit of a concern, like, can we really sell out this massive theater compared to what he's been selling out? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's taken a you know a couple of days longer, but uh, yeah, they're I think they're going to be totally sold out. There's going to be more sponsors there this year. Yes, uh, including us. Yeah. We got our little booth. Um, you know, we'll just come and see us and chat and, and talk to yeah. about the show and that sort of stuff. But I just wanted to go over quickly to so you you know what you're missing if you're not buying the presenters. Um, oh yes, yes, and it's a really good lineup. It, it yeah, it really. We got uh, we were talking to David about it, and uh, just look at this lineup that he's got. And we're like, wow. So first off the bat, Mike Ranta. Yes, yes. Right? We I mean, we, Mike we've Ranta talked again. to Mike. Yeah, we've we've seen him many times. We did that big massive interview. Um, for anybody that doesn't know Mike Ranta, um, born in Fort Francis, raised in Atacokan, developed a love for paddling at a young age, soon learned to appreciate the wilderness, for he had more animal friends growing up than people. <laughs> uh, even when we did our interview, Mike was telling us that he just always seemed to find lost or hurt injured animals and would take them home, nurse them back to health, that sort of stuff. Uh, Mike is the holder of the record for the longest solo canoe trip recorded in a single season. The first person to cross North American continent solo by canoe in a single season. He's done it twice with his dog Spitzy. And I got to think Spitzy's going to be there. Yes. No one wants to come see Mike. Everybody wants to come <laughs> see Spitzy. So. Well, Jim Baird had, uh, Buck. had uh, Buck there. Yeah, or, everybody or, wants to see Buck. Yeah. Right? So. <laughs> Nobody wants, no one wants to see the owners. They're only there for the animals. Yeah. Shows Does that the tell dog. you something? Shows the dog. <laughs> the, uh, so it'll be nice to see uh, Mike again. Yes. The second presenter will be nice to see again. Uh, Stephen Coots. Yes. Canoe Polling 101. He was our instructor he for was. our canoe polling course last summer. Lifelong canoeist and instructor. Uh, after chancing upon a book on canoe expedition skills, most notably the art of canoe polling, He's dedicated himself to developing his canoe polling technique to make the case for reviving this discipline, disappearing discipline, to any canoeist that will hear him out. Apparently, we heard him out. <laughs> yeah, we heard him out. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We got on the water with him last year, and wow, what an experience. Nice it, it, guy. Really nice guy. Yeah, He's really it was a really good day. Really passionate about it. Yes. You know, and yeah, uh, yeah a good weekend um, getting out there and learning how to canoe pole. And yeah. <laughs> Miraculously, everybody who went, I think, now owns canoe poles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that happen? Well, he and he also, what was it? Was it him or was it, oh, it was the other guy that joined us on the course. He made all the poles, didn't he? Oh, yes, he? yes, yes, he does. So yeah. we've we got those. But definitely uh, somebody to listen to. Just the passion in his voice is, is phenomenal. Uh, the third presenter, Haley Sontag. Testing the waters, canoe tripping as a 19-year-old. Haley is um, part of the camping family. Yes. The Sontags, right? Yeah. So she's been canoeing, portaging, camping since she was able to walk. And, you know, they've grown up doing doing it all. Mm-hmm. Well, now she's 19. She's in college. And she's doing her own presentations. Yeah. And she's got to be more independent. So when she's going on her trips, it's her own planning. It's her own yep. food. It's her own gear. Um, you know, and yeah, her own dinner while backcountry camping and 
it's on our student budget. Yeah. So craft dinner is. And what I find awesome. amazing is that like uh, people like her get out there, they do their homework, they do their work, they they learn their skills, and they give back to the paddling community. They mm-hmm. are there to share and help new people get into it. And that's what we need in this. This well, this is this is a community, right? So what we need is is people like Haley to to share her skills and help grow the community. It help lift everybody else up with their skills and stuff. Yeah. So this is I, I think it's amazing what she's doing. Well, and she'll be well, and the thing is it's a young woman that is going out here doing this. So yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. it gets other people hopefully out there. Uh, she'll be sharing her experience tripping and planning with her younger sister for a 10-day canoe trip through Killarney Provincial Park. Um, Mercedes Rogers, traditional canoe tripping as a family. Uh, she and her husband decided to have a family and everybody said, you know what, well, that's it for your canoe tripping and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. And uh you know what i remember hearing all that when we said we were getting married well there goes your free weekends and you yeah. can't go here and all that but you know what if you my wife says go ahead like, yeah yeah so if you yeah if you plan stuff around yeah having a young kid like I, there's I, no reason you can't we take, we take our, our kids, kids yeah we take our little. kids all the time camping yeah all the only the arguments we ever had was like ah, so they got dirt on them yeah yeah we didn't <laughs> even worry about that <laughs> just as long as they don't put the dirt in their mouths ah, as long as they don't eat cat poop out of the sandbox, I don't really care. <laughs> Where'd you get that chocolate bar? Ah, it's not a chocolate bar. Uh, it was in the pool, floating. <laughs> in 2016, they completed a 31-day excursion as a family in the Tomogamy region. Holy cow. I know, eh? Nature connection and environmental awareness are core values of this family as they aim to spend as much time in the wilderness as possible. She's also the director of Camp Wapam... Wapomeo. Wapomeo. An overnight traditional canoe tripping camp in Ontario. Traditional wilderness canoe tripper, guide and traveler in all seasons, Mercedes will take you through how her family structures their trips from route to menu planning to gear and diapers. <laughs> diapers? Who needs diapers? <laughs> Come on. Diapers are just a fad. Yeah. This is the one I'm, I'm, uh, and you should be ex- excited to uh, listen to. Oh, there you go, yeah. Wally Sh- Shaber, uh, the Des Moines Last of the Wild Rivers. He, uh, as a youth, he fell in love with the Ottawa River. He's doing the canoeing, the tributaries of the Ottawa River, uh, playing on log booms and all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of paddling to be done in the Ottawa. Um, well, at university, he started Black Feather Wilderness Adventures Limited. And through Blackfeather, he was given the opportunity by his thesis advisor to create a national wilderness outing program for the National and Provincial Parks Association of Canada, a predecessor of CPAWS. This launched his 30-year career as guiding company in the Northwest Territories. That's amazing. I know, eh? Something as simple as that. Yeah. Uh, His first book, Last of the Wild Rivers, tells the past, present, and future story of the last undammed unsettled, undeveloped tributary of the Ottawa River, which is really the history of Canada reflected in the historic waters of the Riviere du Moine. Huh. Mm-hmm. And he started Trailhead. Mm-hmm. Him and his buddy, yeah. Uh, Chris Harris, back in 75. Yeah. Something, eh? And they're both uh, still going today. Yeah. The last presenter of the day, Andrea Wilson, a Renaissance woman's view from the canoe. Uh, spent three decades working and playing in various aspects of the paddle sports world. 
Uh, she's a passionate paddler, and they say she has worn many different bandanas in life, but has found that they are all tied to her love of canoeing. Andrea will share with you how a Renaissance woman takes the adventure stuff she lives for and weaves it into her everyday life. A three-season paddler, Andrea has covered several thousand kilometers of water travel by canoe from the Southern Shield region to the Arctic Plains. Huh. So they got quite the lineup for this. Yeah, that's awesome. There's a, a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, looking forward to seeing it. And again, it's the University of Waterloo, the Theater of the Arts building. Uh, tickets are, what, 15 bucks? Yeah. You can yeah. get them at Eventbrite or kwcanoesymposium.com? Yes. Com? C-A? Com? I think it's com. Yeah. Um, Google it. Yeah. KW Canoe Symposium. Yeah. Google knows. And Google will know the answer. Google knows the answer to everything. And it'll show you, there's links there to uh, the Eventbrite page and all that. Yeah. But yeah, there was 20 tickets left yesterday. And if we're going at 10 tickets a day, you got today, tomorrow. And you're and done. And you are out of luck. Yep. Till next year. They do not sell tickets at the door. I'll tell no. you that right now. There are no tickets at the door. And you will be missing out on a lot of, a lot of stuff. So, um... Yeah, so that's uh, I'm looking forward to that. It'll be a big weekend. I think we're doing like a two day thing this weekend. Yes, so because Backcountry Custom Canoes on Sunday in Cambridge. Yep, is I'm having a to demo that. day. Yeah, and uh, I, I I've been looking forward to paddling one of uh, one of their boats. I wonder it's... if Mike's going to bring his. Oh, I bet he will. I bet you he <laughs> will. I hope just he to does. compare. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll write graffiti. That'll be on cool. It. Yeah, so we're going to do the uh, symposium, and we're going to do some pres presentations door prizes and stuff like that and uh then we're gonna i guess we're staying in some seedy hotel yeah i think it's like a have an app or something like that <laughs> yeah that's gonna be awesome and the next day Goes it's gonna be drinks the... and stuff and yes so that'll be fun it'll be fun yeah. to get out with the people like uh we, we usually go for a beer too at uh at dave baines afterwards but uh it'll be nice to what was it uh, after the uh winter camping symposium we went out yeah, a bunch of yeah, a bunch of people from the paddling community yeah. all got together at yeah. a couple of different bars and yeah, that was had good. some drinks and yeah. some food and some chit chat and some yeah. good times, some laughs and yeah. So yeah. look at doing that again. We'll do that it's again. good for events like this because everybody gets together afterwards yeah. and yeah. you can chat about different yeah. things. And, and like and I keep saying, it's a community, right? Mm-hmm. So and uh, so then the next day it's the uh, the the demo day for backcountry custom canoes. So we're looking forward to mm-hmm. seeing that. Hopefully he's got one of his kayaks there. Yes. he's supposed to. So I, I want to try one of his kayaks. I think it'll be cool. Yeah. So we'll see what uh, happens, but uh, that's our big weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of kayaks. Okay. What about kayaks? What about kayaks? What's I new was, in the kayak I department? Was coming down to two different kayaks to try out and buy. Yeah. Well, I made my decision, and guess what's in my garage? <laughs> I, got I the, saw pictures of it. I got the Wilderness System Zephyr 160. Okay. 16 feet long. Have you used it yet? No, I was hoping to use it tomorrow, but have you sat in it? Or sorry, no. Uh, yeah. Oh, I've sat in it. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't actually had it on like in this water. one. I had. I haven't had a chance to paddle this one in water yet. Uh, I wanted to use it tonight. Sorry. Um, but yesterday we had that blast of cold. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, cold it and rain cool. and if snow. If you could have got out and, yesterday and all that wind, oh. did some surfing and well. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to doing. The lake was angry. <laughs> I looked well, out the windows at work and just like, whoa. I've been I've been looking at these these videos, the, the kayak surfing videos, and I'm thinking, you know, this looks pretty cool. So I just Googled like the Great Lakes, Lake Ontario stuff. 
And when those winds and waves start picking up, people are out there. Yeah. But oh, I mean, yeah. Warren from Mackay Paddle Surf had said him and his buddies will go out and yeah. and do some stand-up paddleboard surfing and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to get my skills going here yeah. and get myself out on there and hopefully not drown and <laughs> get out and do some, some big wave surfing on Lake Ontario this summer. It's like two minutes from my house. So it's yeah. not like I get down there and yeah, I got to drive five hours and find out it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really close. Yeah. The unfortunate thing with, and I've probably complained about this a lot in the past too, but uh, my biggest issue with Lake Ontario is it's so darn cold. Oh, it is a frigid lake. You're such a wuss. <laughs> well, until the lake flips in summer, which is, it usually flips around June. It, uh, the water, the surface water temperature is usually around like nine or 10 degrees. Yeah. Well, I won't be going until and And then in summer. like in June, July, it'll, it'll, the lake flips and suddenly your the water temperature will be up around 18 to 22 That's degrees. That's just from all the little kids at the beach just peeing in the water. <laughs> ah, it has nothing to do with science, buddy. Science was the beginning of the show. This is kid pee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, until so. the lake flips, it is so cold. I've I've done practice rolls and stuff on Lake Ontario, and it is brutal. The I pins heard and you were developing a new paddle sport. <laughs> I do believe it's most people will paddle on the top of the waves. It's inverted, and you're actually yes, the inverted. It's my kayak. inverted underwater skills. That's right, and you've gotten quite good at it. It's the reverting to the the upright position yes, not so that good. you seem to have issues with. <laughs> I, I hear there were stories of somebody whacking their noggin off of a rock and the whole con, the, the whole kayak yes, lifting yes. up. <laughs> yeah, I was doing a run and I flipped upside down. It was on the Ottawa River. And uh, everybody could see when I hit a rock because I, I cantilevered. I hit the rock with, I was wearing a helmet, but I hit a rock while I was upside down. And I cantilevered up and the whole kayak came out of the water. And everybody was going, oh, he hit a rock. <laughs> <laughs> So Derek has a playboat, uh, one of the smaller little zippy doos. But that'll be great out in the water, out in the big waves. Well, yeah, but they don't stay upright very well. Well, that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> that's not a me problem. That's a you problem. Just stay out of my way. <laughs> I gave I'll run up you white... down like a dog in the street, boy. I gave up whitewater kayaking for a reason. I sucked at it. <laughs> well, time to get back on the horse. So that's what it, that's what I'm looking at doing. So. 16 feet long, 23 inches wide, 54 pounds. Yeah. 54? Yeah. Wow. That sounds kind of heavy, doesn't it? Yeah. But that's the same weight as my uh, my Prospector. It's like my it's Prospector, one of those roto-molded plastic ones, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's got a bit of a, a rocker to it, which makes it perfect for the, the kayak surfing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good, nice touring. How's the storage? Did you look give a good look through the storage? Oh yeah, yeah. Like you're going to be able to do like a good long weekend trip and yep. stuff. Oh, big time, big time. There's there's the three hatches. Okay. Right. Um, one of the so bow, one of the So three individual stern. compartments, or yep. one compartment has two hatches. No, no, all three individual. Three individual yeah. compartments. Nice. Yeah. So there's a big one at the front. Yeah. One at the back, and there's one just behind the cockpit. And you have a foot operated rudder. No rudder. No I got rudder. A, I got a skeg. Just a skeg. Just okay. a drop down skeg. Yeah, I didn't want the rudder. No? No, nah, it's just something to break in my opinion. Hmm. Eh, probably down the road I may go, you know what? I need yeah. a rudder. When but it, to start, I don't need a rudder. When I lived out west, the, the ones that I used in the club that I was in, they all had rudders. And it was nice because if if you had a, a side wind that kept 
kind of wanting to turn you. You could just kind of put it on, on some rudder. Mm-hmm. You couldn't like, not like you could turn on a dime. There was with them. there was a video that we actually didn't show at the um, uh, film festival. Baltic Surge using the skeg. Okay. And it, it actually shows you if the wind's coming a certain way, how far to drop the skeg down. Oh, like, more or less, yeah. I think most people, th- and I'm myself included, thinking it's either up or, or down. it's down. Yeah. But no, there's quarters. Yes, depending on how much side wind you're getting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I was watching this, and I think that's, that's what made my decision not to go with the rudder, hmm. is that. So, max capacity, 300 pounds. So I'll fit my big fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> Not much gear though. Not much gear. Just <laughs> I'll fit me my snacks. <laughs> uh, the cockpit, thirty-five and a half inches uh, by nineteen. I got myself a spray skirt. Okay. Oh, you did get one. I did get one. Sidelock XL foot brace system, which is cool because you put the foot braces and there's just these little thingies on the side that you lift up and you pull oh, to adjust forward. the foot yeah, braces to adjust yeah. them so yeah. you're not reaching way under yeah. trying to do yeah. funky stuff no it's yeah. just simple easy easy peasy the way they've done it uh three cargo spaces stern midship and bow lots of bungee deck rigging like yeah there's bungee cords everywhere okay, yeah. you can stick stuff under compass pocket there's a little compass recess right at the front but it's way at the front yeah i'm gonna need a binoculars to see that <laughs> <laughs> But realistically, with with the gear that you have, you might have electronics that might interfere with the compass and batteries and whatnot. And plus, you're going to have maps and jackets yeah. and spare paddles right near the, the your near, near your hatch and stuff, right? Yeah. So it's I think when, unless you're going in big open water where you lose sight of land. Yeah, you won't even need. Yeah, the, not even yeah. really going to really. It's not like you're going to circumnavigate, uh, you know, Lake Superior or something, right? Well, not this week. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> so I got that. Um, I'm going to start with, you know, l- smaller lakes, river, stuff like that, yeah. just to just explore. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to just explore everything, learn skills and stuff like that. I know a whole lot of people that are already on board to, to go out for day trips and stuff now like gonna that. Now I'm going to have to get a kayak, aren't I? You got one. Just a really small one. Not a one. tripping one. I, I need a tripping <laughs> one. <laughs> no, you're getting your, uh, getting getting, your stand-up paddleboard. I'm getting two stand-up paddleboards. So the plan right now in April is this. Learning all these skills during the summer. Yeah. Getting it all up and whatnot. I'm doing a bunch of, I got a bunch of canoe trips planned for the summer. Yeah. But my October Thanksgiving trip that I always do, Uh my solo trip, I might actually turn it into a kayak trip. There you go. Because I got five days over Thanksgiving. Yeah. And, uh, well, I guess it's the week before Thanksgiving into Thanksgiving. And I think maybe I'll just check doing a a kayak trip somewhere Mm -hmm. this year. For a change, it'll be the only kayak trip I really do. Yeah, like, long one. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna go day stuff. You know, um, go do some day stuff, some overnighters, stuff like just to get in yep. the swing of yep. swing of it all. Because you can't just jump into it and expect to know how everything's gonna exactly. Go boo, right? You're gonna there's gonna be some trial and error. Like yeah. some of the biggest issues, you're gonna be packing and repacking and repacking, trying to figure out the best way, what goes in yeah. first, what goes in last, and then you're gonna have to like if there's Chances are eventually you're going to do a portage. You have to oh, yeah. at least try it. So that means you also got to bring a backpack that, yeah. Yeah. like a frameless backpack that squishes into the compartment. Yeah, my sea line. Yeah, bag. something exactly. Ooh, which I found has a rip in it. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> got to get the duct tape out. 
Anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so that's, that's going to be, I, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of F-bombs dropped at that point. So, <laughs> you know, I'm just getting ready for it. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's that's my plan. I got a lot of people that are up for doing day trips and stuff like that and yeah. helping me along to learn all the better skills of, of mm-hmm. kayaking and stuff like that. Uh, I do believe I've lost a few friends when they found out I <laughs> bought a kayak. A lot of canoe tripping friends. And, and you know, we covered that, didn't we? We, we did. covered that we about did. the snobbishness yep. and... Yep, kayaks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, but I gained a whole bunch of new friends. Absolutely. The minute I put that on there, yeah. you know, that yeah, here's my new, uh, my new kayak. There's a picture up on our Instagram page um, of the new, uh, new beastie. It's mango. It's mango. mango color. Yeah. Have you named it yet? Fred. Really? No. <laughs> a rabbit out front I've named Philip. <laughs> Every morning I go up, morning, Philip. No, I haven't named it yet. Um, see how she, uh, how she uh, handles in the water. Uh, but yeah, so then all summer I'll get all my, my skills and then at the end of the summer I'll go on a five-day trip and hopefully it all works and out then, well. And, and then you'll be so frustrated that you'll just sell it to me. Maybe. And then uh, Michael say, well, I guess Derek doesn't need that skin on frame canoe anymore. I'll just give it to Sean. It all works out one way or the other. So, uh, but while I was uh, talking about, or looking at where to go with um, the, uh, the kayak, you know, different spots, a couple things sort of, I was looking at the map, a couple things sort of hit my brain. Ouch. But Tobamori. Yes. Tobermory up in the Bruce Peninsula has all the shipwrecks. Mm-hmm. Now, a few years back, we were over, we were standing at a cottage uh, off Perry Island by Perry Sound. And we went out in a boat for the day, just, you know, a little 9.9 on the back, doing some fishing. And we went into this old harbor area. We thought, oh, there's got to be some good fishing in there. And I looked down. I'm like, my brother just started, like, waving me to stop. Yeah. And you look down, and there was an old pier. Huh. down there like cool. all the pilings and everything yeah. was there. spooky yeah so i was thinking well you get the kayak and i mean you could do this in a co- kayak or a canoe mm-hmm. around tobamori they have all those shipwrecks yeah and just to paddle over and look down at all these shipwrecks that's awesome it is awesome so that's one of the places i'm gonna go i'm gonna see all those this summer so am i apparently so i'm actually i'm going more intimate because I'm going to be in them. So I'm going scuba. I've done, I'm doing a or scuba diving trip. Really? I'm. Uh, it's August 20 through 26. I've rented a cabin on the beach in Tobermory, and there's a group of about uh, 15 of us. Really? And we're we've got boats rented, uh, dive boats, and so we're going to be doing wrecks. We're going to do the grotto. We're going to be scuba diving all week long up in Tobermory. My brother-in-law is into that. Yeah. Yeah. He does all the. He goes down to Mexico and all that. Okay. And does, yeah. Goes it's up a to lot the great, nicer down the great there, lakes, the uh, Thousand Islands. He's been down. And yeah. I guess you go down and you, it drifts. You drift. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I'll be looking at those wrecks you're talking about. Well, I'll be looking down. At, I mean, I'll go in August and I'll just like look at you. I'll put a little fishing lure. <laughs> <laughs> I caught me a derrick. <laughs> uh, so just thinking about the places when you go there, Bruce Peninsula has the Fathom Five National Marine Park. Is yes. there right? Steamships, barges, schooners, tugs. Now, not all of them. You can't see all of them because some of them are way down, way okay. Way. Like you need to scuba dive to get down there. But there's enough of them that you can actually paddle over and and stuff like that. Two of the biggies, the sweepstakes. 
Okay, yes. Yep. That was the Great Lakes schooner. That's the big one you see all the pictures of when you yes. automatically, when you Google it now. Great Lakes schooner, built in 1867, weighed 218 tons. <laughs> Almost 120 feet long. That's a big boat. That's a big boat. Uh, 1885, she was hauling coal when it was discovered there was some hull damage. So they were going to tow her into the mouth of Big Tug Har- Big Tub Harbor for repairs, but she decided to sink first. <laughs> Gosh <laughs> and darn it. She's still there, underwater. Yep. That's the one the big boats, the tour boats and all that go yep. over and, and you see it's nice and clear. Not far away from that is the city of Grand Rapids, built in 1879, 120 feet, five feet long, carried cargo passengers to Lake Huron and Georgian Bay. October 1907, while docked in Little Tub Harbor, she caught fire. For the security of the harbor, she was towed to Georgian Bay, released to burn. She drifted into Big Tug Harbor, where the sweepstakes is, and she burned to the waterline and sank. <laughs> all the all the research I done, I've I have done yeah. on different wrecks around the Great Lakes that mm-hmm. you could paddle over. Yeah. And like and this is like canoes, kayaks, stand up paddle boards, whatever you're paddling. There was a lot of them that were destroyed by fire. <laughs> the people back in the day sucked at fire. Yes. They really <laughs> apparently did. Well, everything's made of wood too, right? Well, it's they could like make nowadays. the fire, but apparently they just went all willy-nilly with it and just burned stuff down. So did you look at the depth of these sunken Yeah, boats? some of them are like seven feet under, seven meters under. So you can see a lot from a oh, kayak. you can see a lot yeah. from, yeah, and that's why I've gotten into this. Um, but you know, like I say, it's not all of them can be seen from the surface. Uh, but there are also ones that you can paddle around the one in Jordan Harbor down towards St. Catherine's oh, yes, way, yes. right? Yeah. That's, that's the big one. Yeah. Uh, La Grande Hermine. It's Hermione? like a big yeah. metal ship. It's. It was, it, it had a, it was built back in the early 1900s. It had a big career. Then it was made into a replica ship. Is actually a replica of one of the ships Jacques Cartier used to explore the St. Lawrence. Yes. 140 feet long. Came to Jordan Harbor in 1997 to be turned into a restaurant or possible casino. Guy died yep. while trying to get all the permission to get down to the, take it to Niagara Falls for a casino. And then in 2003, somebody decided to... Put yeah. a match to it. Yeah, they put. There a was match always to it. the it's, an ins- insurance scam. Yeah, and blah blah yeah. blah. So now they're trying to wade through who's going to buy it, who's going to take well, it. What are they going to do with it? They're trying to figure out who's going to get rid of it because it's the, the thing with fire. Like it, it burned it, but it's a metal hulled ship. Yep. So it's only the the furnishings that burned. the The ship itself is still there. It's going to take another three hundred, four hundred years to rust away. So what they want is somebody to take responsibility yeah. and. Well, and that's where they are right now, yeah. right? So it sits in the harbor. It You see it as, from the QEW as you're driving on by. It's a big tourist. You can't miss it. You can't miss it. <laughs> yeah. It's a big lure. In the winter, I've gone there out on the ice. Yeah. Now, you don't want to get too close because there is, you know, around it is it's not fully frozen all the time. Yeah. So you got to be very careful. But I've gone and take pictures of it. But I'm thinking like from a kayak or a canoe oh, yeah. or stand-up paddleboard, you get out there. Yeah. Just paddle around it. Yeah. Now... Use your brain. You don't be climbing on it. Yeah. Because you're saying. only asking for problems. You don't know. It's Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely not safe to climb on board. Now, after that, um, I start looking at Lake Michigan, Lake Superior, 
there's lots for divers to do in Lake Superior in Michigan and all that. But there's still a lot, like Upper Lake Michigan, Lower Lake Michigan, a lot of boats that you can float over and check out from above. Yeah. yeah. Uh, same with 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 um, Superior. So I'm thinking I'm going to start making a list and hitting up some of these things because there's some pretty cool ones that you can see Are you from above. Put a glass window in the bottom of your kayak. Or a hole, one of the two, yeah. Some <laughs> saran wrap. <laughs> but if you Google shipwrecks that you can paddle around over that sort of stuff, yep. all over the world, you could do a world tour just looking <laughs> at shipwrecks yeah. that are just below the surface. And then you get the clear, especially, I can imagine down in the Caribbean and stuff like that, the yeah. clear waters and stuff. I wonder what it would cost to ship a kayak. I'd just rent one down there. Yeah, you'd have to, eh? Yeah. Well, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take one down. So that's what I'm doing with my kayak this year. <laughs> I'm going to learn some skills to paddle, yep. to uh, surf some big waves on Lake Ontario, to go on a kayak five day trip. That'll be fun. Huh? Yeah, and to hunt shipwrecks. That's my <laughs> life. That is my life this year. Welcome to the world of kayaking. The world of Sean. The world of Sean. Welcome to my world, people. Welcome to my world. Um, the next thing. Should we take a commercial, I guess? Maybe? Yeah, we should do a commercial break. Let's do a quick commercial break, and we'll come back, and we're going to talk spring water safety. We do it every year, and uh, that's what we're going to We're going to just put a little remembering in those brains. Yes. Hi, this is Derek Sprest. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Welcome back. Um, we're going to talk water safety, but what do we got on tap What's here on tap today? Tonight? Well, today from I... From Man Antler. Yes, I brought some Man Antler beer, which is the local beer where I, I am from. It's uh, in Bowmanville. And uh, they are doing a collaboration series with Brian Bickle, who lives in Orono. Well, he's from Orono, yeah. Yeah, so he, he, his parents are in Orono. Yeah. So anyways, it's so it's it's so he's a local, and uh, so they did a collaboration. NHL hockey player yeah. from one, two Stanley Cups with Chicago Blackhawks. Yes, and uh, so I've got two beers here that are Bickle collaborations. Cream by Bickle, it's a cream ale, man antler beer, and Biscuit in the Basket. It's a, it's a Cali Common, it's a, it's a, well, Sean labels it as a, what'd you say? It's a sour cross- diaper. Sour diapers cat pee with a bitter flavor. And Actually, it doesn't taste that bad if you it don't smell good. it. You just can't smell it. You just can't smell it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm not sure if it smells like cat pee or dirty dirty diapers. But the, the cream by Beckel, the uh, cream ale, that, that one was, was good. really good. Yeah, I like that. That was really good. Yeah. So I'm glad I bought four bottles of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, three left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we're drinking this evening. Yes. Um, spring water safety. Let's talk. We talk about it every year. We'll talk about it again this year. We talk spring and fall uh, water safety because of the cold water. Yes, and it's important that we mention this, right? It's it's uh, like I'm sure everybody thinks about it, but it doesn't hurt to uh, get get safety back in your head and re- mm-hmm. reinforce safety in your head and, and you know for when you do tripping and when you you're planning trips a lot of people you know you're planning what what meals and what this what that and it always a lot of people when they're get enough experience so a lot of the safety stuff sits in their back pocket but you still should be conscious about you know well your gear and the this yeah. the health of your gear and the, you know that your everything's in good repair and stuff like that but the big thing about the spring is all the ice is melted and everybody's just itching to get out in the water. Yes. Some people got new kayaks that they're just itching to get <laughs> Do you know anybody uh, like that? No, nah, nobody, <laughs> nobody. Um, hypothermia, you go in, hypothermia, 10 minutes, you're, yeah. you know. Uh, the shock of going over, your body automatically sucks Seizes in. up. Yes. The air and you get lung full of water. Yes. Like, yeah. you got to keep all that in mind. So when choosing what to wear, and this is the big thing I want to talk about this year, dress for the water temperature, not the air temperature. Absolutely. It could be a beautiful, sunshiny day, which it was the other day, but that water is still ice cold. Yeah, you're it's talking like four or five degrees. Dress in layers, especially on top. Avoid cotton because it retains the water, the cold water. And it you, sticks to you. Yeah. And you want you want to find quick drying fabrics. Uh, wear clothes that will be comfortable for long periods. Because if you're getting out there for the day, chances are you're going for a while. Yes. You know, so you're going to be out in your canoe, paddling some new rivers or out in the kayak, hitting the lake, that sort of stuff. You're going to be out there for a while. Wear clothes that let you move comfortably. If you're in a kayak and you're paddling, you want you're not wanting something that's tight and and whatnot. You want loose, baggy. You know, you're going to be comfortable in it. So let's talk dry suits. Hmm. Now, what are you eating over there? <laughs> I'm eating a uh, Easter chocolate egg, and I just discovered that there's peanut butter inside it. I know. That's this why is, I gave one to you. This is really good. Yeah. Well, you're not getting any more. <laughs> Dry suits, Eggman. <laughs> Sorry, that was really good. <laughs> um, spring, so you're going to be paddling cold water. And because it's spring, as the old saying goes, April f- showers, spring Mayflowers. Something like that. So there's going to be rain. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. What do Mayflowers bring? Uh, I don't know those sayings. Pilgrims. <laughs> April showers bring Mayflowers. Mayflowers bring... Pilgrims. Pilgrims. Okay. Anyway. I didn't even see that coming. <laughs> you didn't even. <laughs> I was going to leave that one there. Uh, you might be out in bad weather. So rain. A dry suit is the best protection against cold water. Unfortunately, they come with quite the hefty price tag. Mm, yes. Which is the one, probably the only drawback yeah, to dry it, suits. It's too bad it's so good at saving your life. <laughs> Yeah, it's good at saving your life, but my life's not worth fifteen hundred bucks plus tax <laughs> or more. Uh, One-piece suits made of nylon with a weatherproof polyurethane coating or waterproof breathable Gore-Tex laminate. 
they feature latex or neoprene gaskets, the wrists, ankles, and neck. Um, some actually don't even have ankles. They just booties are yeah, built right in. Right into the booties, yeah. Right into the yeah. booties, right? Uh, special zipper roll-up closure to prevent any water from getting in. Keeps you nice and dry. Absolutely. you, you got to maintain it. S- make sure it's no yeah, rips, and no tears, no... Yeah, you have to care for these things, yeah. right? Yeah. So dry suits do not provide warmth. No, it just keeps you dry. They just so keep you, you dry. Yeah. So you're not naked under that bad yeah. boy. I mean, that's up to you personally, personal preference, but... So if you can put a nice fluffy, furry onesie liner underneath it, keep you nice oh, and toasty I never thought about warm. a onesie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking, base. you got to have your base layer. Yeah. So a wick away, long underwear thing, uh, dry suit. Some of the dry suits come with liners, mm-hmm. and some of them actually have a fleece lining mm-hmm. in them. So if you don't have any of that, then you got to get something, a base layer, like you would when you're winter yeah. camping sort of deal, right? Some nice wick away pants and... They're... I, I've I've never worn a dry suit. I've seen people shrug into them, and mm-hmm. it, it they look like they're hard to get on and off. And one thing that I've always wondered is, uh, like, and they do have pee flaps on them, like. Uh, but <laughs> I was going to say, do farts escape? <laughs> is that what you're wondering? <laughs> no, I'm just wondering how difficult it is to go to the bathroom. Do you want to shrug all the way out of that darn thing? To or just go to town go in to... it. <laughs> <laughs> Keep you warm. Yeah. I, I I don't know. That's uh, but like if you had to do a number one or number two, it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> inquiring minds want to know, Derek. Well, it's you know it's it's one of those logistics that uh, every make time sure I, you go before you get the suit on. Yes, there is that point. But if you're out there for three hours, at some point you're coming in and you're making a beeline for that bathroom. Yeah, yeah, you're. I gotta think you're only taking it down to the waist or whatever or something yeah just yeah because you watch them getting pulled on and you're just like i think that's probably why you want a baggy one not a skin tight yeah one. so you can move yeah. around yeah comes down right off faster yeah. after you get your base layer you put your mid layer on so for colder conditions you can add a thick fleece or uh, some merino wool something like that right? mm-hmm. you want to just keep it keep it uh yourself warm inside yes right because like i say it'll keep you dry but it's not going to keep you warm Outer layer is your dry suit. It'll be windproof, waterproof, breathable. So no additional outer layer. The only additional outer layer you will need is your PFD. Yes, absolutely. Dry tops are another option, but I would recommend that for kayaks only. And only because it has, you you have your your spray skirt. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you don't have a spray skirt for your kayak, I would suggest the full-on bodysuit. But dries, dry tops um, have like a, the latex neck and wrist gaskets. And waist gaskets. And, and yeah, uh, usually supplemented with protective neoprene cuffs, waistbands typically made of neoprene, double layered, uh, to seal with your spray skirt, both inside and out. And dry tops can be worn over the Farmer John style wetsuits. Um, or dry bibs, that sort of stuff. So yeah, you got the wetsuit on underneath. Yeah. Inside the kayak, so it'll keep you warmer. And But then the dry top is above, out of the kayak, above the skirt. Now, I've seen, uh, I, I don't know what, are you planning on getting a, a dry suit? I'm probably going to go the dry top route. Yeah. I've never, in all my years of paddling, I've never had a dry suit. Yeah. And I mean, I start in the spring and go right to the fall. See, I'm, I'm uh, people are 
inviting me on these bigger and larger whitewater trips, spring, fall, stuff like that. So I'm, I'm thinking yeah, I'm going to... Yeah, you're going to need the full-on right? job yeah. either. You, I think with, with what and, you're looking at doing... And I've seen I've seen people in the past, like for one, uh, Martin Garster. He's got, or he had, a two-piece. Mm-hmm. So the dry pants and the dry top. Right. And they kind of they kind of go together. together. Yeah. But he had a lot of trouble with it. He... Uh, it was during the the uh, MKC uh, oh, White the Water Ca- Canoe Center. So he yeah. uh, he spent a fair amount of time in the water. <laughs> yeah, and but he uh, he got frustrated one day because he uh, after like in, in one day I think he got dunked twice. He came out of the canoe, and uh, and the water got in between, and so he got wet mm-hmm. inside. And that's and just so, so uncomfortable. At yeah, that point. and so he he had a very frustrating day because of that. And I think he has a full on full full yeah. one piece uh dry suit and i, I think that's the, probably the better way to go it's if you have the money yeah definitely the better way yeah, to go because you can get a two piece for like four or five hundred bucks yeah. but the one pieces they're, they're you know they've got special zippers and the gasketing Pockets and this and, yeah. that the other thing and they're, they're like you know yeah i think if you bought a cheap one which you're kind of copping out buying really thin material that may not be as breathable and that's like a thousand nine hundred to a thousand bucks but a decent dry suit is like 15 1600 bucks yeah i, I yeah and I'm, i've been looking at some of them and you're looking wow yeah there's like that's a your dry suits as expensive as a canoe yeah but if you're going to be doing expedition style tripping it's, yeah if you're, you're if you're doing a lot of yeah. those things in the in the shoulder seasons yeah yeah definitely the dry suit is the way to go not just the dry top yeah yeah uh, and i would i would stay away from the two-piece things yeah, I, I've, I'm not I've gonna, never heard of anybody yeah. that's had a good experience with them. And, and see, it, I, it depends on the kind of tripping you do. If you're just going to do some Georgian Bay tripping, so you just wear the top. Yep. Right? And if it's, if it's a cold, rainy day, you put on the bottom as well. Yeah. But if you're going to be doing whitewater tripping and river running, I think you need a full-on one I think one you need piece. a full-on, yeah. yeah. Uh, the next thing you need to be thinking about is your headgear. Yes. I mean, you got a nice, warm, insulated wool hat to yep. keep your head warm. Face masks, buffs, balaclavas for the wind. Yep. So you can look like you're a hoodlum paddling, <laughs> paddling out on the water. Uh, when you, If you're doing the waves and all that sort of stuff and some white water stuff, full neoprene hoods. Yeah, and they tuck into your dry suit yeah. so that it protects your neck. And so it, it lets, some water's going to get in, but it's just like scuba diving or whatever, If you uh, like a, a wetsuit. Water gets in, the water stays there, and the water warms up by it's your body. It's a thin layer of, of just water. Just a thin layer yeah. of water gets yeah. in there. And it's all, it's it actually feels kind of comfortable. You can, you know, if, yep. if you do get, if you start to overheat, you just dunk in and get some water yep. in there and helps you cool off a bit. Well, especially if you're rolling a kayak. Yeah. You don't want a bare head. No, absolutely no, not. Not this time of not, year. Not, not, not in Lake Ontario. <laughs> uh, yeah. Gloves. Waterproof gloves or mittens. Waterproof, not water resistant. Because your hands, if your hands get cold. Yeah. Same with your toes. Your fingers or your toes get cold. Forget yeah, it. Yeah. You're done. You're done. You need that grip strength on the paddle to yeah. maintain control, right? Yeah. And as soon as you start getting cold, you, and if you have any distance to go, you're going to start getting clumsy. You're going to start getting yeah. slow. If, you're, if your fingers or toes, it's, it's the same with you when you're winter camping yeah. and stuff like that and hiking. You're in trouble. If your fingers and toes yeah. start getting cold, that's, you just, all you're concentrating on is how much your fingers and toes are hurting. Yeah. You're not focused, and you're, you're not focused on anything yeah. else. And when you're out in the water then you need to be focusing yeah. on that. Uh, paddling gloves made of neoprene, nylon, and spandex are available. 
Hand protectors called pokies. Neoprene nylon covers fasten over your hands and around the paddle shaft. So that's when you're kayaking. Those pokies fit on the oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, on the kayak paddle, right? Yeah, and we saw those on the the guys who ran that uh, the river in the uh, on the paddling. Oh, the house. Indus. The Indus. Yeah, the Indus. Yeah. So they had those glove or hand covers. Mm-hmm. That was neat. Yeah, that's definitely what you want to get, yeah. especially in cold uh, cold water. Yeah. Footwear. Uh, in cold conditions, wet feet mean cold feet. Mm-hmm. So rubber boots, insulated socks, just regular old. When I when I'm canoeing, like I'll just take like the the big rubber boots. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To just make sure I got some uh, heavy socks inside mm-hmm. or something like that, uh, or you can wear Gore-Tex type yeah. socks inside to keep your feet warm. Um, usually, it's you know you're trying to keep your feet the water out of your boots. Yeah, keep your water out. Keep your feet dry as possible. It's a comfort thing, especially if you have a long day of paddling. The other thing, and I've actually got, I got a pair that I took a couple years back on uh, an October trip. That's the year that we did the big 10-day trip through the big loop. Okay. Um, And we ended up with everything from plus 35 to minus like 10. Mm-hmm. And snow, everything. Blizzards. Oh, yeah? Beautiful sunshine, yeah, the whole gamut of Canadian <laughs> Canadian winter, you summer, all six fall, seasons, <laughs> everything was was all in one go. I had a pair of um, booties, neoprene booties that yeah. I got, level six neoprene booties. I bought at Atmosphere, yeah, and I put those on inside my Keens, and my feet they 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 got wet, yeah, but they were warm. Oh yeah, they were. I I didn't have huh. anything on. And my toes were, I, oh, hmm. I'm one of those people that get in and out of the canoe in the water. Yeah. I'm not one of those people that like to ram the Crash canoe up, up on onto shore. shore and yeah. all. So I get into the water, but I put those neoprene booties on. Yeah. Inside. So it looked like I had socks and sandals on. Yeah. yeah. It's just, oh, so good looking look, <laughs> you know, with my shorts and everything. And uh, I had those on and yeah, it was surprising how warm my actual feet actually did stay. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, a thick soled neoprene booty will allow your feet to get wet, but they will stay warm or you can get a, a thinner, like not, not a thick, thick sole that'll fit inside a pair of, like I say, my, my old Keens or my, um, uh, Solomon tech amphibians that I'm getting, I'm wearing now. Yes. Right. They'll fit right inside of those, like a, like a, a thick sock. Yeah. And yeah, it really, really keeps your feet Have you warm. worn the tech amphibians yet? Oh yeah. I wore them all last, all last summer. Oh, I thought you just bought them last fall. Nope. No, I got them in the spring. Oh, so you've uh, you've worn them in anger, as to, so to say. You've had them canoeing and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had them all through the Rockies yeah. and everything. How'd they work out? Beautiful. Yeah? Beautiful. Yeah. So Absolutely they fit lovely. nicely? What they about fit d- nicely. No no, uh, no blisters. No how, nothing. How about, how about uh, debris entry into them? Nothing. Huh. The only thing that got in and out of that was like sand yeah. and water. Huh. There was no rocks, no twigs, no nothing. Awesome. I sh- I wish I would have known about these. I I'd meant to ask you about it before. Then I just for some reason I was thinking you just got them and probably hadn't worn them yet. Yeah. No. I I've, I've been wearing but those. That was last for, spring. You yeah, got them. Yeah, for years. And my biggest con- comment about those was the twigs and everything when you're doing yeah, portages and rocks. Yeah, that and, always bugged me with the Keens, And right? these, I wore these and never once. Hmm. The, the Solomon Tech Amphibian 3s. It's nice to have a decent set of water sneakers, water yeah. shoes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember mine... when I first started, I used to have a separate pair of sneakers for portages. Oh, yeah. So I'd get out of my sandals and like I put my sandals on to get in the canoe. Yeah. And then when we'd stop at a portage, I'd switch from my sandals to my shoes. Yeah. Sneakers. Do the portage. Slip back into my <laughs> sandal. What a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was when I first, that was so long ago now. So, but yeah, you got to have a nice pair of... Yeah, I have a pair of, they're called Astrals. I bought them at MEC. And those are fantastic. They look just like a, a they, they look just like a pair of sneakers. Mm-hmm. They're just a mesh sneaker. And they have the, the grippy bottom is really awesome. Yeah. So it, it just practically sticks to rocks. And it they vent water, hardly nothing gets in. Mm-hmm. Like debris and sticks and stuff. So I, I've been liking these ones. When my Keens started getting older, they totally lost their stickiness to rocks and all that. Yeah. 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 So I wasn't. Uh, the good it, thing about Keens is that you're wearing a sandal and you can kick rocks. You know what? They lasted me a long time. They do last a long time. They They're really, well made. Finally, one of the one of the straps broke on it mm-hmm. and there was no way you're replacing yeah. it. So it was time to buy a new. Yeah. I must have had that pair for at least 10 years. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then finally just, it broke and I said, like, yeah, I got to go get something. <laughs> so I did my shopping around and I ended up with the Solomons. Yeah. So, um, when it comes to just get back to the the cold water stuff when it comes to to the cold water dressing there's a balance between comfort and safety yes and you got to find it if you go out paddling with the expectation that you're going over Yes, and you, you should dress that. for that. Yes, you you just think you know what I'm going out for the day at some point, be it canoe, kayak, stand up paddleboard. Yeah. You're going over. Yeah. Then you dress for that, and if it if it does happen, you're prepared. You're golden. It's you're, it's yeah. You're prepared for it. The old adage: better safe than sorry. Yep. Always take a spare change of clothes in your car. <laughs> Even if you're dry, wearing a full-on dry suit, because when you're done for the day, you get out of that dry suit. You've got all that wickerware stuff on, yeah. wickerware wear stuff on, yeah. um, all your fleece, your merino wool, whatever. You want to get that off and get into something dry. Yes. You're if you're wearing heavy socks or whatever that hold them. It you know that little bit of sweat so and that energy out of you to yeah. to remain wet and the clothes. and you want to drive yeah. home comfortably. Yeah. I mean, even if you're only five minutes from home, whatever. Yeah. Bring a spare set of clothes and 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 shoes that you can change into in your vehicle, and it's just like oh yeah, you know, it's just it it, it just adds that little bit extra. To a good day. Exactly. The finishing... Unless, of course, you have flipped over and... (laughs) (laughs) The finishing touch to your day when you can get in a nice dry pair of clothes, you can head back, grab a coffee, and and hit the road and head home. And what it's, you know, if you're doing that all wet and soggy and and your clothes are picking and pulling at you and it's uncomfortable, it's like, that's not how you want to end your day. No, not at all. So go out on the water. Have some fun. Use your your brain. Make sure you got your PFD on. Make sure that you've got some sort of dry suit, dry top on. Uh, your spray skirt, if you're in a kayak, would be more yep. than handy. Make sure you are dressed for the weather. You dress for the water, not, not the air temperature. Exactly. Because the water is going to be a lot colder, especially if you're out on a nice sunny day. You're going to feel nice and toasty until you get in that water. 
and then you're freezing. <laughs> so use your yeah. brains. It's spring. Everybody's itching to get out there. I know I am. Uh, I'm looking at getting a new uh, dry top uh, for the new kayak, and everything I'm finding right now is all order online, which I just refuse to do for something like that. I know. Like, I want to try I'm it like on. The, I want to test it. I'm the kick the tires type of person. It's Sale uh, doesn't have anything. Mech is all order online. That's weird. Everybody else is like, oh, I called the Mount Kirby skis and boards yep. or whatever it is in, in Oshawa there. Yep. They're not getting any of their new ones until see, May 1st. See, the problem that we're facing now is the, the way the market's going. There's so many people buying stuff online that it's a liability to stock stuff yeah. in, a, in a storefront. If you're doing brick and mortar as well as online, it's like the brick and mortar. You, you're, you're risking having inventory that you have to sell off at a discount at the end of the season. I am also, in all my research on dry suits and dry tops, have found out something important. <laughs> What's that? Small people do not kayak. <laughs> <laughs> all the dry tops and all that. Yeah. The only ones that everybody does have in stock, yeah. small. Oh, yeah? So to all the small people out there, <laughs> get outside, do something yeah. with your lives, people. So all the bigger sizes are selling out. Oh yeah, everything's big, medium, large, extra large are all sold out. But if you got a small, <laughs> the world's your oyster. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I guess May first is when everything starts coming out, and I mean it's still it is April. It is early. Yes. You know, yeah. but you know, there's there's places you want to get out and just test stuff. Yeah. Test your gear, and so I think as much as I don't want to do it, I might just head down to the local Rotary Park and. You take a quick little five minutes out there there and see see what it is. Well, you're sticking if you're sticking close to the shore and it's not that windy. Still, it's the time of year, right? You still don't want to go in. Yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, I'll be like five feet offshore. Yeah, still walkable. Got to work on your roll. I know. Thump. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I said, I got that helmet from when we went uh, the canoe polling, right? I'm going to put Gandalf the Viking on the back. (laughs) 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 So if there's a body floating. (laughs) <laughs> it's got that helmet on. Yeah. It's either me or somebody stole it. <laughs> so that's our show for today. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, check us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find this episode and others on iTunes, Google Play's Player FM, and the episode page on our Paddling Adventures Radio website. Don't forget... If you haven't bought a ticket to the Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium, you've got today and tomorrow and then your SOL. <laughs> Hope to see you there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.